0: You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book survivor, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e reader. <laughs> this episode, we're talking about unreliable narrators, which is why we're doing each or other's Or are we? Which is why we're doing each <laughs> other's voice. But honestly, no one knows our voices that well, so it's probably not even funny to I them. Think <laughs> I think
1: people do. I think people do. <laughs> but first, what are you reading, Bria? <laughs>
0: um, I'm reading a book that I texted you about, or I finished this book, because I was like, have you read this book? This book is
1: the weirdest thing this... I've
0: ever read. Uh, but in a I great just way. Bought,
1: I bought it. I got it in the mail from bookshop.org because I bought it as soon as you told me about
0: it. <clears throat> it's, um, it's called The Memory Theater by Karen Tidback. Karen Tidbeck wrote a, um, a book that um, both Mallory and I really liked called Amaka?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, which, I, as soon as you texted me, I was like, "Oh, it's the lady who wrote Amaka," because we love that. Yeah, book so much. which is great. But the, um, she
0: is a Swedish writer. Um, uh, this book. So I, um, I read what I heard what this book was about. And that is what it's about, kind of. But, like, (laughs) giving you the opening of the book doesn't tell you what the book is. So it's very confusing. But essentially, it's a very surrealist, um, bizarro world, almost, like, dark fairy tale. It's a little Alice in Wonderland, which I know you love. Um, It's um, basically this, like, magical realm exists. And... And, uh, in it, these people have learned, oh, just give you too much, I don't think it tells you too much. These people have learned to stop time. And they're like these, like, aristocratic, fancy dresses, uh, like, endless feasts, constant garden parties people, uh, who are just com- completely, lun- they're completely lunatics, and they just abuse the children. And, <laughs> like, major, uh, 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 spoiler alerts and trigger warnings for, um, uh, child abuse. Uh, they have these children that work for them, and um, they they constantly abuse them like in the worst ways possible. And then uh, the children are trying to escape. And the book is ends up being about uh, this both one of the people at the party and uh, one of uh, well a couple a couple of the children. Um, and that, what I just told you, is not where the book really takes place. The book takes place all across this magical realm and, like, entering into our realm. Uh, but it is wild. It is a wild ride. Every turn, I was like, what? And, like, I like one of those <laughs> where I was like, this is what's happening for— this is going to be a third of the book? I cannot believe this is where it is. But um, there's this really interesting—for those people, I feel like this is some people's wheelhouses, but for people who, like— um. Weird performing troops. This is like I mean, there's not many of these, but performance troops like uh like Station like el- Station eleven? Yeah, yeah. Where there's a performance troop who they their entire job is to perform histories and memories and things that have happened, um and they go around to all these magical realms and they perform there and they just perform like "Oh, the death of a sailor, and they just do these performances over and over again, and that's like one of the core groups that you get to hang out with um but it's it's just really great i, I really enjoyed it. It's so bizarre, but uh I you know if you're if you're in a person like me who loves escapist stuff, this is definitely for you
1: um uh, what are you reading Maui uh oh, I will say. I- I am as soon as you talked told me about that I bought it and I I want to say that I I feel like Karen Tidbeg is is good for people who like like Jeff Vandermeer like if you read Annihilation and you like really weird surreal stuff this is the place to go I'm super excited Uh, but I want to talk about a book that I'm almost finished reading um, that I mentioned I was reading on a earlier episode that we did a either a week or two ago, um, I'm reading The Cutting Season by Attica Locke. Uh, and it, it, if you are looking for, like if you are a ton of French um, fan and you love like a really compelling, thrillery mystery, you need to get on the Attica Locke train because this book has blown me away. I have it's, it's the kind of book where I've just been like, okay, I can't do anything else today because I have mm-hmm. to read this book. <laughs> like I have to take the day off. Um, it's about this woman and she is the manager of this plantation um, in Louisiana and it's a beautiful plantation and all kinds of, of course, like white people go to have their weddings there and stuff. But the rest of the staff is like, obviously a very complicated relationship with it. She has a very complicated relationship with the plantation because uh, her family has worked there for, for years and actually her ancestors were enslaved there. So she has like a really, really complicated relationship with it. Uh, and what happens is um, the back of, lot of the plantation has been um, sort of not sold but rented out to this sugarcane uh, company and they farm it so like because they don't use the but like the back 500 acres and one day on the property line between the uh, sugarcane farm and the plantation one of the sugarcane workers is found murdered and it kind of throws everything into chaos and it's one of those, I, I I think I talked about this in the wheelhouse episode, but it's like this one event that explodes everybody's secrets and like all the dark things and the secrets that have been going on in this plantation and this, in this like corporation, all things that have been going on have just like, it's unearthed everything. And so she's trying to solve the, the the main character who's the manager. She's trying to solve this. And as she goes through it, she kind of realizes that this murder is connected to a tragedy that happened on the plantation generations and generations and generations ago and like how they're connected and how all the people on the plantation are connected and it's just incredible it's so it's like it has so many layers and it hits so many wheelhouse items that i, I just been blown away by it and i can't wait to to buy every book that she's ever written uh, so that's the cutting season by attica Locke, and mine is uh, the memory theater by karen Sidbeck. Uh, So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Emily wrote in, As a reader from Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, I'd like to speak a bit on Amish romance. Oh, please do. We have (laughs) talked quite a bit on the show about Amish romances. People have written in about them quite a bit. So we're about to get some insider knowledge. Lancaster is home to many, many Amish, and my stepmother loves the wholesomeness of the genre. Truly, the farthest the genre goes sexually is maybe a kiss and not always. Anyway, may I recommend Amish Vampires in Space by (laughs) Carrie Neitz. I haven't read it myself, but a friend has, and as skeptical as she was about its contents, she said it wasn't half bad. Also, if you want to do a deep dive about the lure of the genre, check out Thrill of the Chaste... Not The Chase, The Chaste, by Valerie Weaver Zercher. She wrote a whole book about how even those who are incarcerated love those books. Aww. So, so fascinating. We're going to have to read an Amish. One of us is going to have to read an Amish romance. That may
0: be on you, We're Mallory, but I'm, I'm excited to hear about
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, boy. I'm going to have to do a deep dive in Libby. So Brian wrote in and
0: said, after listening to the episode on looking at other people's bookshelves and hearing you mention politicians' bookshelves, I had to write in to tell you about Books by the Foot, a company that curates bookshelves for their customers to
1: display. (gasps) This is what we guessed. We guessed that this was a thing. I got really excited about this, though, because it it reminded me of Fruit by the Foot, and I was like, imagine being able to buy books by the foot? That sounds like my dream. So you can. So they do requests for boardrooms, offices,
0: and most recently, lots of Zoom meeting backgrounds. So essentially, if you want to appear serious and well-read, you can ask for bookshelves of books on philosophy or 17th century literature or something like that, and they dig through their collections and send you some books. They have lots of DC traffic, so now we know how all the politicians fill their shelves. I find this Equal parts weird and hilarious. If you want to read up, read about it more. There's a political article, which uh, Politico article, which we will link in our show notes. And just because uh, Brian wrote it in, we're going to uh, hear his wheelhouse. It's not fully formed, but I'd say there are some uh, combination, some combination of stories about kids who never give up, court intrigue. Court Intrigue. Huh. I mean, we've never heard that one. Uh, books set in Victorian London, retellings of myth and folklore, and books where medieval monks solve crimes. <laughs> wow. Lots of crime stuff here.
1: I am very intrigued about the uh, medieval monks solving crimes. I am down for that. Uh, just a quick bookmark for me. I just want to say thank you to
0: everybody who supported uh, Lucky coming out on Shudder. You can still get that um, free month of Shudder if you want with the promo code Lucky. But everyone has been so nice, and thank you for watching it. I really appreciate it.
1: Um yeah, I wanna say I had a blast when we we, we had the lucky watch night. It just it, the movie is so fucking good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and and you guys are gonna be super excited to see Bria as an author, like there's a, even a scene where Bria, like, does a, a, a reading and a QA and a at a bookstore. And so this is like, if you are a glasser and you like thriller films, you there's you have to watch this movie. And with, you know, with the code, you get a free month of Shutter to check it out. So there's no excuse. Yep. Uh, so you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And before we talk about stories with unreliable narrators, we're going to take a quick, quick break.
0: Mallory, you know what's something important that I try to do every day? Read. Okay, good answer. Great answer. What else besides (laughs) reading?
1: Uh, I know you love vitamins. I do. I take my vitamins every day. How about you? I do, and thank goodness because Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Care-of, which is a wellness brand dedicated to making it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best today and supports you long-term.
0: Yeah, Care-of's in-depth five-minute online quiz asks you questions about your diet, lifestyle, and health concerns to help you address specific wellness goals. Literally before we started rolling, Mallory told me, I love an online
1: quiz. (laughs) Who doesn't love an online quiz? It's so exciting. You get excited at the end. You're like, what is it going to tell me? And this one's particularly exciting because you take the little vitamin quiz and it's like, oh, here's all the vitamins you need to, to make your life a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And what's cool about it is you can actually retake the quiz as your needs change, whether that's pregnancy, aging, changing hormones, being stressed out by things like, I don't know, maybe a you know global pandemic uh, for updated recommendations whenever you want. Mm-hmm. And your
0: recommendations come in daily, individually wrapped packets that are perfect for getting back into a routine. I love these. I will say uh, when I was traveling a lot more, I loved them because if I was going somewhere for a weekend, I didn't have to get out my day of the week pill thing and I didn't have to throw my whole, whole, you know, set of vitamins into my suitcase. I could just grab, you know, however many days I was going to be gone of these individually wrapped packets. And it was so convenient.
1: Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite parts about Care of is because I don't have a little day of the week pill thing. So every morning when I take my vitamins, I have to like open each bottle and like put them all on the, ca- and it's just like takes a while. But with Care of, it's just in a cute little packet. It says, Hi, Mallory on the, on the cover. Mm-hmm. If you were a reading glasses listener, it might say, Hi, Sarah. And it gives you like a little like nice, uh, sentence for your day. Mm-hmm. And it's really cute. It's, it's just so easy. Yeah. Yeah. We both really like this.
0: Uh, it's, it, it's been really fun. The quiz is fun, but also the products are fun. We really like the products.
1: Yes. No, the, the whole thing is fantastic. Um, and what's great is that you can get 50% off your first Care-of order uh, by going to takecareof.com and enter code GLASSES50. That's takecareof.com and enter code GLASSES50 for 50% off. So you get personalized vitamins in a cute little packet that you don't have to open 5 million bottles has your name on it it's fantastic and it's all all geared towards specific wellness goals so that's 50% off at takecareof.com enter code glasses50 for 50% off glasses50
0: 50. 50. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Hey folks, it's me, James Arthur M, host of Minority Corner, your home through these wild times for weekly doses of pop culture, history, news, nerdy stuff, and more through a BIPOC, queer, and allied lens. That's how you get Joel Schumacher putting nipples on Batman. Yeah, I did it at, like, and I say no. this as a game. I say this as a gay man didn't ask for it. I don't need to see Batman's nipples on his suit. Who is this for? Who is this for? I did a bunch of research. I wanted to just know about the history of Black people in Argentina. So. Not only did they erase Black people from their history, they also started to flip and use it as slurs. We're not done. Like, we're not done with the work that needs to be done. And so stay awake. So join me and some of your new BFFs every Friday here on Maximum Fun to stay informed, empowered, and have some fun. Minority Corner. Because together, we're the majority.
1: This week, we're talking about books with unreliable narrators. Or are we? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good bit. <laughs> what is an unreliable narrator? Is it something that might be in your wheelhouse and you don't even know it? So, Bria... Uh, Bria. First, let's let's start off by talking about exactly what an unreliable narrator is. So the narrator of a story could be any, any length. It could be a short story. It could be a novel whose credibility is in question. So as the reader, you might know right away that the character is unreliable, or it might be revealed gradually over the course of the book, or it might be like a big reveal at the end. Like at the end, you're like, oh shit, this is an unreliable narrator. An entirely different set of, of, of circumstances and situations has been happening, and I didn't even realize it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a bit of history on this term. Uh, it was first coined by Wayne
0: C. Booth. What an author name, Wayne C. Booth. Uh, I think
1: Wayne C. Booth was born sixty-five years old. Yeah, with a quill. yeah. In It'd be weird having a little baby and naming
0: it Wayne. Uh, in uh, he he wrote about it in a book called The Rhetoric of Fiction, and he defined the idea as a person whose speech did not conform to norms and values, uh, like the ones that we all accept. So later, the term was finessed to be more than a person who doesn't always tell the truth, because that's what Booth was arguing. But honestly, like for most Narrators—they're not always. If you're if you're a sub if you're telling your story from your point of view, you're not necessarily telling the truth. There is no non-subjective truth, really, right? So they. So later, people started using it to mean a narrator who lies or conceals information from the reading audience, right? Um, and there was an attempt to actually classify the kinds of unreliable narrators in 1981 by William Riggin, uh, in, uh, which was is really fun to look through if you want to look through it. But um, basically, it includes different kinds of unreliable narrators, like a Picaro who is an unreliable narrator because they are bragging all the time. You know, it's like a, one of the person who's like, and I caught the biggest fish in the whole lake. You know, like that kind of thing. <laughs> or uh, a, the madman who's unreliable because of a mental illness or using um, uh, some sort of mental defense mechanism from the way they they tell a
1: story. Um, yeah. So some some it really runs the gamut. So some yeah. unreliable narrators are like, they're nefarious. They're lying about something on purpose. They're like telling you, the reader the story, but they're keeping things from you but there's also the total other end of the spectrum where unreliable narrators are they're like innocent and naive and they don't fully understand something Mm -hmm. uh basically whenever a narrator doesn't fully understand the situation um and is therefore conveying false impressions or or, or information to you or the narrator is purposefully conveying false information or impressions to you you've got an unreliable narrator situation right um so what we do you got think an unreliable
0: narrator. it's like a no it's like an alert oh no we got an yes <laughs> the unreliable <laughs> narrator walks in the room and an, an alert go- <laughs> alarm goes off you're
1: like oh no uh so what do you think do you like unreliable narrators hate unreliable narrators not care i like them i'm into them um i
0: love it particularly uh in the, a surreal sort of context um, I also like when you, like, come around to the end and we realize it's been unreliable the whole time. You thought you were on Earth? No, you're on another planet or whatever. I love that kind <laughs> of stuff. Like, that's that's always yeah. really fun. And, I mean, this goes for films as well as uh, as books, I think, for me. Um, but I think I like books that play with reality. So an unreliable narrator kind of fits into that world. I just read this book. Book just speaking of the braggart kind. I just read uh, the Wasp Factory um, from Oh book by Club. Ian Banks. Yeah, um, and that has an unreliable narrator because he's just kind. Of, you 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 know he's lying the whole time because he's just like a braggart. He, like he's just bragging and he's just real full of himself and he says all this stuff and you're like that's not true. Uh, you know, so yeah, kind he's of like, like
1: a psycho killer or something, right? Yeah, he's
0: also he's also a psychopath. Yeah, um, so there's there's it, it, there's a lot of reasons he's unreliable, but I I did enjoy it just because. You know it from the top that he's unreliable. So you're like, oh, I I, like I'm interested in what this unreliable person, how they view reality. Because you're basically taking reality and seeing it through their perspective, which I think is pretty cool. Um,
1: How about you? Do you like it? Hate it? I actually really like it. And it's funny because as someone who's obsessed with getting facts and knowing exactly what's going on at every single particular moment of my life, you'd think that I would hate unreliable narrators. But I find that – like I was looking over books that I really like and I find a lot of books that I like have unreliable narrators. Hmm. Um I think it's because one, they're really popular and well used in horror yeah, and the yeah. thriller and mystery books. And that might be why there's so many great horror books with unreliable narrators. Um, and I, I'm the same way as you. I love the shock of figuring out that a narrator is unreliable and then trying to figure out like what's really going on. Like that, that moment in the book where you're reading and all of a sudden you're like, <gasps> Oh my God, mm-hmm. something entirely different has been happening and I have not realized it. Um it's like getting two books in one, I think, because you're reading the story, but then you're trying to figure out what is actually happening.
0: And do you prefer that to the unreliable narrator who you can tell from the very beginning is just like full of shit? You know? Like is Yeah. It, you yeah, like, you I like think twisty, I like that a lot better. The twisty turn unreliable narrator, not so much the the like the the one uh, that's I, been lying.
1: Well, there's some some books that I – that I, you know, from the very be- – or at least it takes you, like, I don't know, maybe a few chapters to realize. But I think my least favorite kind of unreliable narrator is, like, the bragger guy mm-hmm. who's just like, – from Go. Mm-hmm. Um, um. So have you ever put down a book over an unreliable narrator or pick one up? Any favorites?
0: Yeah, picked one up for sure. Um, I feel like there's authors that do this really well so there's certain uh, the one I I I'm thinking of is Samantha Schweblin. She I feel like oh, has a couple yeah. of like kind of surreal weird short stories that have unreliable narrators um and her whole book um Fever Dream that that feels like kind of an unreliable narrator oh, type yeah. type book. Oh yeah. In like such a sinister way. And then there's books I didn't know about but really liked them that you recommended um The Red The Red Tree recently that I read. Um and yes. that is spoiler an unreliable unreli- narrator
1: uh, I don't think it's that much of a spoiler. Okay,
0: There's just things happening and she doesn't understand them. And you're seeing, I mean, anytime you're seeing people's like dreams that they start to wonder if they're real, that becomes like an unreliable narrator situation. Um, but I love a book from a first person POV that um, just views the world really differently than anyone else. Like I said, uh, and Drive Your Plower Bones of the Dead is a good one. Uh, because oh, she yes. literally classifies people like she ha- makes up her own words for things. And she classifies people and has nicknames for them. Which is kind of a source of an unreliable nearby. You're just seeing things so through her perspective. And then you yes. find out she, the more you go, the more you realize she is unreliable. It's not just those things, but she's she's very much. You're seeing, seeing the world. everything through her bias. Yes. We will call them. And that's coloring bi- not, everything. Not rose colored glasses. They're bias colored glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Um, mud colored glasses yeah yeah they're very confused but if you do it well then I'm interested because I do even if I don't agree with someone or I think their opinions are completely based on nothing I like hearing them it's like I'm getting to live a different life and a different point of view I love a good I love a lying narrator I love that kind of stuff no, I don't love it in real life. So interesting. Don't lie to me in real life. <laughs> but I like it in books. Like I like when I'm being fooled or I'm seeing the world through someone who I completely disagree with. Like that kind of stuff is really interesting to me because I think I just love differing perspectives, even if they are completely based on a reality. It's not my own. Does that make sense? Mm.
1: Yeah. No, it totally does.
0: What about you? Do you do you pick up books when you see they're from unreliable narrators? Do you put them down? Do you throw them in the garbage? <laughs> Do you unreliably (laughs) – I don't know what an
1: unreliable narrator would do. Do you Uh, tell us you pick
0: them up but you really put them down?
1: (laughs) Uh, That's the weird thing about unreliable narrator books is it's not always something you can kind of advertise on the jacket copy. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. Like you can't really like put the twist on there. Um, Even still, I don't – think i like them enough to seek them out but i've also never put a put 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 a book down because of it i think it always has for me the way that i like an unreliable narrator is that it always has to be sort of a surprise to work Mm -hmm. out well for me um And even if it's, you know, not that far into the book, like one of my favorite books ever is We Have Always Lived in the Castle by Shirley Jackson. And the main character is unreliable because she has really bad anxiety. And she thinks that all these weird little rituals that she does have these real life consequences and all her social interactions are heightened. Like there's a, in the beginning of the book, um, she's just going down to the store and like stops to get a cup of coffee and comes home and she's so paranoid and so anxious that from her perspective, like, everybody in the town hates her, and it's, like, a harrowing experience, mm-hmm. but at the, as you go through the book, you're, like, she might have just been getting a cup of coffee, and, like, mm-hmm. it might have not, not, not have been that big of a deal, um, but it takes you a little while to figure that out. Um, yeah, and speaking of that, I mean, does that mean that—here's
0: a philosophical question for you. Uh, if, if you are reading a book from a first-person POV, is it always somewhat unreliable?
1: I think so. Um, You know what I was thinking too that I actually really love and that's very kind of a weird niche of the unreliable narrator is when people do things that are really strange but to them it's normal. Like the Addams Family. Like the Addams Family are unreliable narrators. Like, yeah. they are just very weird, and, like, I'm always looking for books that are, like, the like the Addams Family, and there aren't any that I can find. Yeah, particularly— uh, But I love that.
0: Yeah, like, that book, The Com- Convenience Store Woman, like, that book that I really love. That, that book, yeah. everything is very normal to her, and it's, you know— because it's from her perspective, you're like, well, this is normal. But I think if you were looking at it, particularly if we go back to the definitions, that's definitely in that first Wayne Booth definition of unreliable yeah. narrator, which is <laughs> old no, Wayne would old, say, as Wayne would say, if it doesn't fit into the norms of society, um, <laughs> then that is somewhat unreliable. Which I think I think is really something we're both really drawn to. I don't know if it makes yeah. you unreliable as much as it just. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think there is an argument to be made. If we're from a per- first perspective POV, there's some amount of unreliability happening.
1: Oh, I, I I totally agree. But I think I think we're both aligned in the fact that we love when a character is in their own weird little world mm-hmm. and is trying to. If you were just reading, if you're reading it from that character's perspective, everything in their little world is like totally normal, and then you realize, like, oh no, they are very weird. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> there's there needs to be a name for that because I don't think. I think it falls like it is unreliable I think
0: it's unreliable. I'm going to call it unreliable world building. Ooh, love it. Into it. I think, wow, TM, trademark that right now. <sighs> yeah.
1: Well, because uh, if you think about it, they're building a world that you are reading about and then you realize that the world that, that the, the character has built is, is not reliable. The rest of the world is not like that. Yeah.
0: I love that. An unreliable world building. Add that to my wheelhouse.
1: Yeah, maybe the su- a subgenre of the unreliable narrator is the unreliable world builder. Mm-hmm. Um, well, li- Glassers, please send your thoughts. We want to hear about your favorite unreliable narrators. Send them to Reading Glasses podcast or gmail.com. Also, if you have read for the Adams Family, I'm always trying to find them. I can never find them. Um, and before we test out some book tech, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is sponsored in part this week by Babel. Hola, Bria. Hola. Como estas? Bien,
0: gracias. Wow, look at us speaking Spanish.
1: So in case you don't speak Spanish, that means that's me and Bria greeting each other. And we learned it from Babbel, which is the number one language-selling learning app. Number one! Yeah. The number one language-learning app. That's awesome. And unlike the infamous language classes that you took in high school, Babbel designs their 15-minute lessons with practical, real-world conversations in mind, things that you'll get to use in everyday life.
0: Yeah. And with Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, which you just heard, French, Italian, and German, all these languages that you could use. Next time you get to travel, when you're next time you're going to Mexico, get Babbel. Next time you're going to Germany, get Babbel. We're all going to be
1: traveling soon. We're all going to book all those trips. This is a great way to prepare for those trips. <laughs> Plus Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and accent, which maybe if you're like me and you're from the Boston area and you have a terrible Boston accent and you have a hard time uh, pronouncing the beautiful uh The the beautiful words of the Spanish or the French language. This really, really helps you. Unlike some other language learning apps, it really is working on getting you to be able to read these things, but also pronounce them correctly, uh, have a correct accent, speak them really well. So it's such a it's such a well-rounded app.
0: Let me hear you say gracias with a uh, with your Boston accent.
1: <laughs> see if I was saying it in my Boston accent it'd be like gracias yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it'd be like that scene from that Quentin Tarantino movie mm-hmm. uh-huh. um, I-, I would sound exactly like Brad Pitt yeah Great. trying to pronounce italian but you you don't have to do that if you use babble it's fantastic i mean it's 15 minutes a day you know that's 15 minutes less time that you might be doom scrolling on twitter mm-hmm. or you know reading reading stressful news it's just a quick 15 minutes a day but it could really improve your life uh, expand your brain and help you and help connect you with uh with people that you might not normally have been able to be connected with And right now, when you purchase a three-month Babbel subscription, you get an additional three months free. That's six months for the price of three. That's awesome. So just go to Babbel.com and use promo code GLASSES. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com, code GLASSES, for an extra three months free. Babbel, language for life. Glasses. Glasses.
2: Welcome. Thank you. No nice. problem. Thank These you. are real podcast listeners, not actors. What do you look for in a podcast? Reliability is big for me. Power. I'd say comfort. What do you think of this? Oh. That's Jordan Jesse Go. Jordan Jesse Go? They came out of the floor
1: and down from the ceiling? That can't be safe. I'm upset.
2: Can we go, Dale? Soon. Jordan, Jesse go a real podcast.
1: Time to test out some book tech, advances, and bookish technology. This week, we're testing out a special kind of bookmark sent to us by Rosalind C., who wrote, I hope these actually work. Uh, It's called a book page holder. Seriously, that is what it's called. (laughs) Uh, So it is a bookmark that's meant to hold your place by keeping the book open to that page. So instead of, like, sticking the bookmark in and, like, closing the book, it keeps the book open open on its on its spine lying flat so these particular ones they're metal they're anchor shaped and the anchor slides in on top and keeps the pages flat while these two metal prongs in the back uh sort of anchor it bria what did you think of these first of all very very high points for nautical
0: theme very cute yeah, nautical very, theme. they are it's, very cute listen if
1: you love high points n- for cute nine
0: if you love nautical stuff both as like you know like kind of a like like kitschy, but also if you just love like a you know a pirate moment, then I think these are really great for you.
1: <laughs> but <laughs> you know what I need today—a pirate moment.
0: <laughs> so I got these. I opened them up, and I was trying to use them as real bookmarks, and I could not figure out. I was like, "Why would you do this? This the way these are designed <laughs> is horrible." Like I, because they're like they they don't move. They're they don't move. They're like um stationary very metal metal. I yeah. thought,
1: I thought the little things on the back would swing out, but they don't.
0: Yeah. Well, I was trying to use them regular bookmark didn't work. Uh, and then I realized what they were and it turns out they are exactly what they claim to be. They are book page holders. <laughs> um, very different. Very called. different. If you have to Google them, that's what they're called. Um, but these would be great for a cookbook. They hold the page open. That's what they're designed to do. And I think they do it quite successfully. I, I don't know if you had like, they are a specific size. So if like, for some reason you're trying to hold, hold open like that Bible that Biden got sworn in on or something like ain't, ain't gonna happen <laughs> the Buffy Bible <laughs> yeah yeah ain't gonna happen but I think like if you're just trying to open up a cookbook or something like that and keep that open I think they're really good and they're cute so I mean I'm into them I liked them just don't fool me into tricky thinking you're a bookmark
1: <laughs> it's Actually, an unreliable bookmark <laughs>
0: <laughs> from my perspective so it's really shame on me uh, how did you feel <laughs> feel about these book page holders
1: uh i I did like these but not for novels i have two ratings for them so i tried using them for the regular book that i was reading and i didn't like it it was like two out of five pages because you can't Um, because you have to take it out every time you turn the page well that but also if you're just like, even if you're just like oh i'm done reading for the night i'm gonna put this put these book page holders in and like put my book down leaving the book lying out takes up more space on a table and it makes the pages, if you're me, collect cat hair for my cats. I do so not like, see why anyone would do that.
0: Like, who would mark their book and leave it open?
1: A lot of people do. What? A lot of people. Yeah, I know. But for me, at least in my personal life, it would get way too much cat hair on it. Ah, uh, takes up too much space. Don't like doing it. I'm sorry. Um, that, so-
0: these people are sociopaths. <laughs> if they leave their book open all night, what are you doing that for? Why so write us? I want to hear why you leave your book open all night. Close that book. It has it has an outside for a reason. <laughs> what do you think the covers for?
1: <laughs> it has an outside for a reason.
0: That's like leaving. That's like. That's like I don't know. That's just (laughs) shocking to me. (laughs) That's like opening (laughs) opening a bag of chocolate chips, pouring it in a bowl, and leaving it there. Like it's just like so many reasons not to do that. (laughs) And then I made a chocolate metaphor
1: outside for a reason. (laughs) It's one of the greatest things you've ever said on the show. So two out of five pages as an actual, as like a bookmark for, for like a novel. But I will say for a cookbook or a research book, these are amazing. I love them five out of five for that Um, because they don't take up as much uh, page space as a book weight does. It's just like a little piece of metal at the top, but, um, but they are more difficult to change pages. So they're not great for keeping a book open while like you eat, but mm-hmm. if you're researching or you need to look at one page for an extended period of time, they're perfect. Uh, I had, I'm just finished up my, the second draft of girly drinks and I had like a couple of research books out to like add a few things. And just, if you need a page open for a while, these are absolutely perfect. So great. two out of five pages for, for pleasure reading, five out of five pages for cooking or researching. Great. Uh, <laughs> it has an outside for a reason. <laughs> Priya, I just love To keep that so the much.
0: inside safe. <laughs> <laughs> now I've Incredible. thought of better me- metaphors like a watermelon, you know? Yeah. A just tortoise. Cra- crack your door. <laughs> <laughs> Things that have like hard outsides to keep the inside safe. And you don't just leave <laughs> a watermelon open sitting out. So
1: gross. Just cracking open a watermelon and leaving it out overnight. Ugh. <laughs> Uh, so if you have book tech ideas that you want us to test out, you can check out our wish list in the show notes or you can send the idea of it to reading at gmail Now let's solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Ellen writes in. Thanks for all you do. I can't tell you. I can't tell you how much reading glasses helped me during my PhD in quarantine times. I've been a woman on a journey this year for sure. My reader question is In the before times, late 2019, I moved to Edinburgh, Scotland, in the UK, for a new job and I joined a sci-fi book club to meet new people in the area. Very good idea. Hot book, hot book tip. Um, it was the best during quarantine since I ended up without a job for a while. I made a group of new friends we get Together often to hang out. However, I have a new job now, Yay Science, and my free time for reading and Zoom calls is way less than before. I don't really struggle to decide what books I want to read. You guys, friends, and other reading podcasts keep my TBR full. So, what I want to know is how/slash when do you think it's best to leave a book club? Should I stay or should I go? Yes, My Reader Wheelhouse is books with robots slash androids, inner monologue, detectives who give a shit, weird plots where the characters have a sense of humor, and women on sci-fi adventures bonus for interesting LGBTQ romance in there. Bria, what should Alan do?
0: Well, Ellen, um, first, we have experiences in our book club where people just stop showing up, and I'm just going to tell you, from the other side, that's it is irritating. So, like, if you just... I like that Ellen is thinking ahead, trying not to irritate the people in the book club by not by just quitting showing up. Because uh, we keep... I know, like, the person who runs our book club keeps it to a certain number. And so there's, like, a person that just didn't show up for, like, a year. And, like, but we couldn't invite anybody else. But eventually we decided maybe that person wasn't coming back. So, yes, Ellen, I think it is good to think of these other people, especially if they keep their book club numbers limited. Um, but, uh... I mean, I think you're being very honest with yourself right now, which is great because we're. It is easy easy to overextend. We all do it in this modern day and age of run, run, run. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> uh, true. Um. So I think, um, take assessing whether or not you have time for it. Which you're writing this email. I'm just going to say this means you don't have time for it. I'm just reading between the lines here. You you are probably done with this book club. And just have a chat with whoever runs it and let them know that you love it, but you need to take a few things off your plate for a while. Um, and everyone understands this. This is a modern day. And um, if you think you might want to t- return later, put that out there. Also, whoever you like best in the book club, make sure you tell them, like, hey, I don't have time for book club anymore, but if you want to get coffee sometime, let's do that. You know, like, keep those people. Pick out your favorite people from the book club and make sure you're keeping in touch. Um, I just think it's better to let go of a commitment than do a half-ass commitment Um, because, And and everyone understands this at this point, and I think as long as you don't, like, you know, burn it to the ground and give them middle fingers on your way out, I think then—and you leave the door open as, like, hey, I'm just busy right now. I don't have time, and I don't want to waste everyone else's time thinking I read the book. Um, And I think that's totally—that's totally fair. And, I mean, I'm just going to tell you, reading your email, Ellen— I think you don't want to be in it anymore. I think you should let it go, and and I think it's just a quick email. It's a, it's not even a conversation. It's just a quick, uh, hey, I, I'm running out of time, and uh, my life has gotten, I, you know, too busy, so I'm just letting you know I'm not going to make book club for a while, possibly ever, you know. And and that's that's a nice, that's a fine email to send. I don't, no one's going to be offended. This is, you're not, yeah. I mean, it feels like you're probably cutting off friends, but but you know, don't. And I think again, reach out to those people, you know, your faves, the faves of the book club, or everyone, I don't know, and say like, hey, just so you know. I don't have time for book club anymore, but um, I would still like to get coffee with you occasionally. Um, I love a straightforward email like that. I love when I'm very straightforward. I think it's very great to just have these conversations and not, yep. no. don't beat around the bush here. You can just you can just tell your book club, the person you run said exactly how you feel. Hopefully there's one person kind of in charge. Uh, what do you think, Mallory? What do you think Ellen should do?
1: I think book clubs are like boyfriends. I think if you're wondering if you're going to break up, if you should break up, you probably want to break up. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Ellen's. Book clubs are like boyfriends.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's true, though. Like, Ellen's. They're not meeting your needs anymore. You got to dump that boyfriend. Dump
1: him. Um,. (laughs) Alan, this is a tough problem. We totally understand. and But it, it sounds like the, the folks in your book club are fantastic people who would totally get it. I'm just echoing Bria on that. Um, maybe you, you you definitely have to send them an email. Maybe you want to pop in for certain books but not be on the hook for every month. Uh, maybe even that's not something that you're into. Um these folks sound like they'll get it. Uh, you know, I, I think it sounds like being part of a book club sounds like just another thing that you need to do and it's stressing you out and it's time to go. Um, I think that's that that's the way that for, for any listener who uh, who is struggling with this, if a book club goes from something you're looking forward to to something that you are dreading or you're stressed out about or just it's like another thing on your to-do list, it probably means that it's time to go. You know, book clubs are, I mean, they're, yes, they're for talking about books, but they're also for socializing. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, once a month or once every few weeks or a couple months or however long it is, you know, getting together with people that you like and talking about a book. And if that goes from something that's like, that you're looking forward to, to something that you are, you know, is just like another thing, like, you know, mopping the floors or doing your laundry, then... You know, you gotta take care of yourself, and mm-hmm. it's. I'm sure if all the other people in your book club knew that it was stressing you out, they'd they they clearly care about you and like you, so they'd want you to be like, no, go do the thing that you need, and maybe, um, when the world changes a little bit, maybe when your uh, job settles in a little bit, you can be like, hey, you know, I have a little more time now, and I want to get back into this. Um, yeah, just being open and upfront and honest with them, um, like like Bria said, doesn't mean you can't stay friends with them. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're like, fuck you, this book club sucks and like walking out. Um, you know, just say that you don't you don't have the time for it. Everybody gets it. And honestly, there might even be other people in the book club that feel the same, you know? Um, so be, honesty is always the best policy. <laughs> but it sounds like Ellen, you gotta you gotta go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We don't think you should stay. We think you're done,
0: Ellen. We think you're done.
1: (laughs) Uh, So if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank our wonderful mods who run the Facebook group and Chrissy and Rachel who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, if you want to look sexy and support us while doing so, you can buy Reading Glasses shirts and tote bags and stickers in the Maximum Fun store. There's a link in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to do something nice for us for free – free. You can please rate and review us on iTunes. It is great for us. It helps us reach more listeners. Also, remember, we're still collecting uh, uh, questions for our AMA episode, uh, the 200th reading glasses episode. So uh, you can ask us anything about books that we like, books we don't like, random things that are snack or or cocktail or cat or dog related, uh, we're collecting them now. Send it to our email address uh, which is readingglassespodcast at gmail.com You can find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast on Instagram which is all new and fancy and Bria's been doing all kinds of stuff on it at readingglassespodcast Thanks for listening and thanks Thanks for for reading. reading